This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's tough last night, we've got to put it behind and we'll see how we get some. Yeah, definitely a letdown uh, our line. Uh, two goals that we gave up and uh, you know it's definitely not good enough. Come out next game and put together a couple more wins. Uh, we would really like to win that game against an opponent that's so close to us but uh, uh, now it's on to the next one. No I liked our game. We played played good hockey. We had lots of opportunities and uh, they got a couple of breaks. They worked hard. They played a, a it was a good structured game and uh, like I said they got three we got two but it's uh, I thought we battled hard and played pretty well. What is up? Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Golden Edge podcast. Adam Hill and Ben Goats here with you, breaking down everything you need to know about the Golden Knights. It was an interesting week. A winning streak came to an end. A rally started a new streak, potentially. And a lot of drama around the roster. We'll get into a little bit of everything here on the podcast today. Again, thanks for tuning in. Make sure... You're subscribing, commenting, rating us everywhere that you pick up your podcast or download podcasts, whatever you do with podcasts. Do that with us. We appreciate it. Number three in the world right now, so it's all right. It's acceptable. Bronze ben, is on the podium. It, it is on the podium. No anthem for us, but hey, at least we're we're up there. How are you doing, sir? I'm not bad. Uh, I had a fun week uh, at CES while all this fun nights things were going on, so I'm excited to get caught back up. You were at CES. Did you, did you experience anything crazy that you're like whoa and this when i get this in my house in four years i'm gonna love this i got to you know mess around with some hockey vr that was pretty cool there's some new hockey training equipment using virtual reality i was a, a big fan of that is there fight training and can you like tr- can you do some fighting in the vr for the hockey i had did not actually test that out they had a okay. lot of drills i didn't ask them if they had fighting drills there's shooting drills stick handling drills passing drills last time we talked they were on a long winning streak they continued it they kept it going they got a win uh, last week against the Rangers, extended it to seven games, 10-game point streak. Their home point streak went all the way back to November. Everything was looking very, very good. But then the San Jose Sharks came to town. And listen, the winning streak ended. You can't win every single game. I know that that's true. But there was a lot of emotion, a lot of energy that was focused on that game. And I'm sure the Golden Knights are very disappointed they came out on the wrong side of that one. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's kind of cool because I think that's how rivalries like this in divisions get started is you have a team like the Knights who are playing, as you said, so hot, seven-game winning streak, 10-game point streak, huge point streak at home. And the Sharks came in, and the Sharks were the better team that night, I think. And the Sharks have a lot of star power, especially on their blue line with Carlson and Burns. And I think that's how you get some of this heat started early because these are two teams we could see meet again in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and, you know, that was a game with, as you mentioned, all the stars on the San Jose side, the way that Vegas is playing and, and everything is coming together for the Knights right now, that was a big test game for where do they really stand. The Knights had played 
a lot of games against some subpar competition. Now, not to denigrate the winning streak, but they were building up points against teams that weren't necessarily great and probably won't see in the playoffs. And then the Sharks were the team that came in that were playing at the same level. They were winning a bunch of games in a row. They were playing well. Like uh, Burns had been uh, putting up some nice points. Carlson was on a really long point streak. That was a big test. And I, I don't know that they failed the test. Like, just because they lost, it doesn't necessarily mean you failed the test. I mean, obviously you want to win. You want to put the points up. Um, losing doesn't really count for anything. But in the long run, they still played well. Like, it wasn't like they came in and, and folded and, and buckled under the pressure. And they just had a 39-second stretch where they gave up two goals in the third period. And that proved to be the decisive stretch of the game. But I, I don't think the, the Knights had to come out of that game and, like, oh, man, it's all over for us. Like, th- this this way that we played, the tide that we were on, the momentum that we had, it's all gone. Right. And these are the games that they're going to have to focus on for the rest of the season, too, these kind of measuring stick games against big Western Conference competition because what this point streak has allowed them to do is build a big, big cushion yeah. in the Pacific Division. Uh, right now, the Anaheim Ducks are 13 points behind them. That's actually Edmonton Oilers, I believe, now, too. 13 points behind them for third place in the Pacific Division. Yeah. So the Knights have a firm, firm grasp right now on a playoff spot because the top three in each division get to go to the playoffs. Right. So the Knights would really have to fold, and the Ducks and the Oilers would really have to play well down the stretch here to really threaten the Knights' chances of even falling out of the top three, not to mention you know, a wild card spot. Yeah, and the, the Ducks' struggles have coincided with uh, some of those teams winning. Calgary has been winning really all year, but then – you know, the Knights really going on a big stretch and the Sharks going on a big stretch uh, coincided with the Ducks losing 10 in a row, which has led to rumors of the coach being fired, which has led to trades being made to try to shake things up. So the Ducks are trying to, you know, have a jolt, like kind of find a spark somewhere. Uh, but it's going to take a lot to catch up because, as you said, those top three teams, it's so important to be in that top three. It's an automatic playoff berth. But as long as those three are pulling away, you know, you're in a good position, certainly to be in the postseason. No, the issue now is you want to finish first because when you have those three really good teams in the division, second and third place in the division are going to play each other. So that first place team drawing a wild card becomes so important. So now, yeah, you've got a playoff spot. You don't want to say secured, but it looks really good that you're going to be in the postseason. But now matchups do start to matter you don't want to finish in second or third place in the division. No, absolutely not. You want to get that wild card, and you want to try to give yourself a little bit of an easier path yeah. back to the Stanley Cup because I think playing, as they would right now, the Sharks and the Flames back-to-back, if they were even to get out of that Shark series, is a tough, tough task. And then, of course, you're talking about facing a team like the Winnipeg Jets or the National Predators in that Western Conference Final, if you would even advance past that far. That is a grueling stretch of hockey that you're facing right now. And so I think, yeah, it's very important for the Knights to keep building points and to try to climb up as high in the standings as they can to try to make that path as easy as possible. Should, should we have all of our listeners cheer for Nashville only so that we can go there? Like, is that is that wrong of us to be like, hey, everybody, cheer for Nashville. That's where we want to go. Well, you know, I would actually take Winnipeg. I haven't, you know, I love Canada I'm from um, Minnesota. It's close-ish. Okay. Uh, Nashville, I think, would be fun for everybody and for the fans. That's what I really care about. For that's the fans, true. It's all about the travel. Fans enjoy themselves in Nashville, uh, that would be great. So, yeah, that's that's down the road. But right now, I, I think you do look at the that Sharks game and all of the – just so much buildup and passion and excitement around the game. The players were fired up. The San Jose side was fired up. The fans were fired up. 
I know that everybody wanted to make L.A. the rival, and it was going to be Kings and Knights and L.A. Vegas and everything else. It's the Sharks at this point. It's definitely the Sharks. It's it's tough to argue that. They played in the playoffs last year. They played the Kings too, but play the Sharks. The Sharks have all this star power. They're at the top of the division. They're playing as well as the Knights are. Like That is definitely the one that we're looking at. Absolutely. And as we just said, they're playing games that matter. That game for a regular season game felt like a big game. Their matchups down the stretch will feel like big games because there'll be huge swings in this specific division race because of the matchups between these two teams. And that's how you build these rivalries. You have a lot of emotional games that matter, and then you get people to care on both sides. And I think that's what we're going to see moving forward. And you've got you've got villains. I know that, you know, in the, in the Kings, in the case of the Kings, Drew Doughty is the super villain that everybody hates because of the comment last year. But, you know, I think you've got them in the Sharks. You've got guys like Burns, who I, I think is a very intriguing, interesting guy. I, I actually like him. But I know he's a very hateable person for fans. I know Carlson at this point is incredibly hateable for the fans. Um, there's just a lot of guys I think that are easy to hate if you're a fan of the other team. That makes it more fun too. That makes it more interesting, especially when those guys are really good. It's not like they're, you know, bottom of the bench players. You're like, I just don't like that guy. Like these are relevant good players who are also hateable. Uh, I think there's a lot there that makes that fun. Now. Interestingly enough, we've talked a lot about how favorable the night schedule is the rest of the way. A lot of home games. They've played more games than anybody. So while that hurts in the standings, it helps that you have a lot of rest the second half of the season. But while all, there's all those favorable factors, there is two games against the Sharks in March on the road. So the schedule is favorable in a lot of ways. But if it is a head-to-head battle, that doesn't you know that doesn't necessarily bode that well. For Vegas, but they have to go to San Jose twice in the last couple of weeks of the season. Those are those those are setting up to be potentially massive games that we'll certainly have an eye on as the season progresses. Uh, the Knights, however, we talked about them losing their winning streak, playing the Sharks. They go down, but then they go on the road in a terrible spot. Now, you know, every game matters. I know the Knights always talk about, hey, it's one game at a time. We're focused on this game. All the attention's on this game. But there are spots in a season, in a long professional season, NBA or NHL, where you're just there's just a really, really bad spot in the schedule. And I thought that was certainly the case in Chicago. You're playing a road game against a pretty bad team in Chicago, even though they have stars and you know they're certainly capable of, of breaking out and beating you. It's a, a road game after losing a, a long winning streak, which is always a bad spot. You had San Jose that you just played. You've got Winnipeg. You know, one of the top teams in the West on the horizon. So that that game in Chicago was just an awful, awful spot on the schedule. I thought it was a very prime candidate for them to lose, and they fall down 2 nothing and 3-1 in the game, get a goal disallowed that would have tied the game, somehow still find a way to rally and win. That is a really, really good win. That, it, that's a huge win. It was very impressive because, as you said, it was a bad spot in the schedule. And every recipe that you would think for an upset basically happened in that game where Chicago gets the early lead. Patrick Kane is playing like Patrick Kane. The Blackhawks stars are showing up, even though right now they don't really have the depth to contend at all in the Central Division. But Patrick Kane was great in that game. And so you kind of easily could have seen the letdown from the Knights where, all right, we're down 2-0, we're down 3-1. This is just not our night here in Chicago. But they kept at it. Even through the disallowed goal, they found another tying goal. And then Shea Theodore basically just throws the puck toward the net, and it went in. 
a kind of a miraculous overtime winner, and all of a sudden the Knights come away with two points. It wasn't even a shot. He was almost was. I've tried to watch it a bunch of times and try to figure out exactly what happened. Like I, I kind of feel like he was just making a move, and the puck kind of got away a little bit. I don't think he was shooting it. I don't think so either. I don't. He would be shooting it harder. I think if he was actually trying to shoot it. Yeah. It was just a weird little bounce that the puck just happened to go in. Sometimes those things happen. <laughs> you know, the, it, it's it's just one of those things. You can take a perfect shot and have it blocked or miss, and you can take a, a weird angle like that and just have a puck kind of get away from you and have it, have it go in the back of the net. Uh, it, it's crazy how that works out sometimes. But a very, very good win for the Golden Knights and a an interesting game in that we, we saw Brandon Peary play for the 10th time. There's a whole lot of mystery and convoluted talk about exactly, you know, what was going on the last few days. But as it is, Brandon Peary has now played 10 games for the Golden Knights. He's part of this team now. Which is think is fair. He's played his way into a spot yeah. with this team. I don't know what spot that's necessarily going to be, whether they try to keep him on the top six, whether they try to see if his game can kind of fit with the third line, if they just end up scratching him a bunch in case someone gets injured and he's kind of a break glass in case of emergency option but it's hard to argue he hasn't played his way onto a spot on an NHL roster somewhere and if you're the Golden Knights why not just make it here yeah I I I do you know I know what their feelings are and they've talked about it over and over again about he's a top six player and that's where he has to be and if he's not there he's not really that useful or valuable to the team I just I don't I, I think the way the third line has produced this year which is very sparingly I just want to see him get a chance on the third line. When everybody's back, when Riley Smith is back in, in in the mix on the first line and they bump him down and then you've got the second line that's been very productive. And I just I want to see what Brandon Peary can do with that mix of third line players to maybe give them a some kind of a jump start and get some production on that third line. He but, deserves a chance to fail there, I think, yeah. after the way he's played so far. Um, and just to be clear what we're talking about, we are mentioning he's played 10 games, which means he is no longer waiver exempt. Yeah. So if the Knights were to release him, send him back down to the minors, he has to go through waivers. He would not clear waivers. He would not clear waivers. The other 30 NHL teams get a chance to put a claim right. in on him, which means they can basically take him, put him on their roster, and hold right. him there. So if they try to send him down again, you can't do that until every team has a chance to add them to their active roster, and somebody would do that. So essentially what that means is Brandon Peary playing his 10th game, means he is part of this organization. Like he, They're not going to try to put him through waivers. I just don't see that. So he's going to be on the team for the rest of the year. It is going to be interesting because they will have to put probably someone through waivers yeah. at some point. Um, like I said, Peary clearly earned a spot on this team. He's got two points in three games since being uh, put back on this roster for an injured Riley Smith. But at some point, Riley Smith's going to have to come off IR. Will Carrier is going to have to come off IR. Yeah. And then they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with this roster whether you're going to have to try to sneak a guy like Oscar Lindbergh through waivers, whether you're going to try to sneak a guy like Ryan Carpenter through waivers, yeah. or maybe they haven't seen enough from Valentine, Valentin Zekoff yeah. in his brief playing time to make it worth it to I, hold on to him. I feel like they like him a lot, but they're they're just kind of trying to figure out a role or like what he can do. I know his first couple shifts in particular looked pretty pretty out of shape when he, when he took the ice the other day. Um, so, yeah, I, th- there's options. But there's not as many options because at this point, they're going to definitely be in a position to lose somebody instead of having the freedom to just be able to send somebody down and figure it out. Like 
at this point, the decisions become much more real. Somebody, there's a good chance somebody will have to go from the organization. Which would be interesting to see, yeah, what they do there. But for right now, as we said, Peary's earned his spot. He's playing on the first line right now, which is kind of crazy if you thought about that coming into the year, that Brandon Peary, this 27-year-old guy who started the year in the AHL, was going to be paired with William Carlson and Jonathan Marshall But that's where we're at because those guys actually need a spark like Peary to help them out. And you don't want to break up. Alex Tuck, Paul Stasny, and Max Pacioretty because they're playing really, really well right yeah. now. And that's what I had, that's what I had thought when we were talking about some of the shuffling that it's going to be very tough to break up the second line because as as productive as the first line has been for a year and a half and uh, as they've played, that second line has just been really, really gelling and really playing well and really productive. That's the one that you want to keep in the mix and you want to keep together and you got to figure it out on the other spots with, you know, they try to put – Pacioretty up there on the first line for a little bit. Just didn't have that same feel to it. So, you know, Peary has fit in pretty well. When Riley Smith comes back, you imagine he'll go back in that spot. And then Peary moving down, I can't imagine them trying Riley Smith on the third line and putting Peary in the first. Like that, I just I don't see that happening. I think they go continue with their first line and then try to figure it out from there. Yeah, I just don't think they're clicking as well as they did last year. And I think they're kind of letting their frustration spill over on the ice. Jonathan Marshall scored against the New York Rangers the other night, and that was his first goal since December 22nd. So it had been a number of weeks since he had scored a goal. And you could just see the relief on his face as he was celebrating that goal. And I think these are some guys that can kind of let those emotions creep in when they're feeling snake bit, that they're playing frustrated and they're not playing as loose or as free as they can when the goals and points are just coming a lot easier. So I think it's a little bit mental at this point where they're kind of in their heads. And not just Marshall, too. William Carlson has only one point in his last 10 games. And I think he's done a good job of not letting that affect the other areas of his game where he's still playing good defense. He's been a good penalty killer. But they aren't getting out and transition as often. They're not getting easy opportunities. And I think that's getting them frustrated on the offensive end of things. Carlson's been really good defensively, especially in a a couple games where it really stood out that he was playing just incredible hockey the whole the whole length of the rink, but the, the scoring struggles have been concerning. And I, I do think as much as he insisted it's not the case and as much as, um, you know, I, I know Coach Gallant at some times early in the season said he didn't think it was going to be the case, that Carlson is still playing for a contract. And Carlson last year had 40 goals, one of the top goal scorers in the league, wanted to kind of play off that and build off that and get a deal. The team didn't commit to him long term. And so I, I think it's got to be part of your thought process and in, in your head a little bit when you're not putting up the same kind of production of, man, like I I didn't cash in on my big opportunity. What am I going to get now? Yeah, absolutely. And he's eligible for that contract extension, I believe, now. Like if the Knights and yeah. him want to sit down and talk about it, they can get it done now. Yeah. And so I think that's also been a factor recently is all of a sudden that's a reality. Whereas in the beginning of the season, I can get that maybe you can compartmentalize it a little bit where – Yes, I'm playing for a contract, but that's a long ways away, and I can't really control that right now because it can't even happen right now. Well, now it can happen. Now if, you know, Carlson scores, you know, say like three goals in a game, gets a hat trick, all of a sudden his agent can raise the asking price to George McPhee in real time. Call the team during the third period and like, hey, he's already got three goals tonight. What does he have to do? Uh, But, yeah, and, and, you know, we heard George McPhee in an interview the other day kind of say it's not really a priority. They're going to wait until after the season and try to figure it out from there. I think that that part of that is, yeah, like we've kind of got the power right now. 
Like he, there, there's no real demand to try to lock him up long term the way that he's playing right now because I think he's playing good hockey, but the numbers just aren't there to jump out at you and and demand that you lock him up to a long term deal. So and it's got to be, it has to be something you think about. I know players all the time say, you know, it's not, you don't think about it. It's something you deal with after the season. I have a guy to do that. Like I pay an agent to do that. That's why they're, you know, that's their concern, but. They're also human beings that can see the writing on the wall of, hey, if I don't get 30 goals, if I don't get to that number, then all of a sudden my, you know, my money is going to be affected by that. It has to be in your head. I don't know how it wouldn't be. Absolutely. And I wonder if part of that is just messaging from George McPhee, too, to send a message to William Carlson. Yeah. Hey, we're not looking to get this done right now. Play free. Don't play anxious. Don't play nervous. We'll figure it out at a later date. We're not trying to negotiate this right now based on your current numbers. Because I think maybe that's part of what spooked him too is the fact that he's looking at his overall production and he's going, wow, like I'm not at last year's pace. I'm not on pace to get 70 points again. Obviously not on pace to get 40-some goals again. I'm only at 30 points through 48 games. I need to pick it up. And maybe it's McPhee just trying to calm him down and be like, just play your game. Points will come, and we'll figure it out at the end of the season and let the chips fall kind of there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll continue to monitor how Carlson does and, and see if there's any updates on a potential contract after the season, but that is a, maybe a long way off uh, for his concerns right now, and I'm sure he just wants to get back on the right track. And, and I think that him and Marcheseau and, and even Riley Smith when he was around – are still kind of of that mindset of, like, they are doing a lot of things to help the team win. Even if the numbers aren't there, the team's winning. It's not like they're not productive and the team has, you know, won two of their last 12. They're winning. So I think they'll take the offensive struggles knowing that they're contributing in other ways and helping the team win. Right. And it'll be cyclical, too, because it very well could be in a couple of weeks we could be talking about how that first line is gelling and then all of a sudden that second line yeah. goes cold. Because in a long season, you just go through these spells. And so they just need to find a way to shake out of it. And as you said... They're finding a lot of other ways to help this team win. Riley Smith, when he's healthy, is a very good defensive forward. William Carlson, as we mentioned, is a very good defensive forward out there right now, especially in the middle and especially on the penalty kill. So as long as they keep that part up and don't let their lack of offense affect the other areas of their game, they can absolutely be key contributors to this team. It's just if they start to get so frustrated they let the other areas slip, then this team is going to be in trouble. So we talked about a lot of wins being piled up against teams that were you know, kind of down in the standings a little bit, and maybe not the most impressive resumes coming in. Uh, Knights have some tests coming up, and it starts with a game at Winnipeg that, you know, they played them last year. They beat them in the Western Conference Finals. I know going into that series, a lot of people thought Winnipeg was clearly the best team in the West, and the, and the Golden Knights really took care of them. You know, I've heard, I, I've heard actually, um, you know, I heard people around the Knights organization say, hey, Winnipeg was the best team in the West last year. We just beat them. So, Again, Winnipeg up near the top of the standings. One of the best teams in the league. Certainly one of the best teams in the West. And uh, that's a big test, but it doesn't even get easier from there. There's some really big tests coming up for the Knights. Yeah, their next four games are against teams that are all in line to make the playoffs right now. And these are good teams. So you mentioned they're at Winnipeg. Then they're hosting Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're doing really well in the Metropolitan Division, again, after kind of a shaky start. Minnesota Wild, who are holding on to a Western Conference wildcard berth right now, and they've made the playoffs, I believe, it's six or seven years in a row. So they're a consistent team. What do you know about Minnesota? I know. (laughs) And they gave the Knights a lot of problems last year. The Wild beat them three different times last year and then took them to a shootout in the first game in Minnesota this year. 
And then, of course, they're playing the Nashville Predators, who are going to be the Winnipeg Jets' top competition in the Central Division. Those two teams faced off in the second round of the playoffs last year in a really fun series. And so I was at Game 7. Yeah, that's yeah, right. It was uh, it was very fun. The wrong team won because we had to go to Winnipeg instead of Nashville. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, that's a that's a good battle uh, in the Central with those teams. And, and you know, they've got – They've got both of them coming up on the schedule, so a good a good point to kind of measure and see where you are right now, uh, and how how happy you are with your game. Because I know they're happy with how they're playing, but now that you know with the real test coming in, especially back to back to back like this with some really good teams, really no chance to take a breath, and uh, a real a real test for the Knights coming up. That I think it's a really it's a really interesting time of the year. You know, you've got the All Star break coming up, you got some rest coming up, you got a bye coming up. Uh, I know certain uh, certain players and their significant others are very excited from social media. You can tell that they're all getting ready for their trips uh, out of town. But first, you've got these you know, these tough games to kind of deal with, and I think it'll say a lot about where their mindset is if they can stay focused on these good games going into a vacation like that. Absolutely, because like we said at the top, I mean they are 13 points clear of the next closest team in the Pacific Division right now, so they can kind of afford some slip ups here. But I think it will be key to kind of self-evaluate their game of how does our game match up to the Winnipeg Jets? How does our game match up to the Nashville Predators in case you have crucial meetings with them later on in the season? Because they can afford to take these games pretty seriously and tinker with what they're at right now because then a lot of these other games that they're going to play aren't going to be as meaningful against teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. They can really afford to try to do their best in these games and really get a good glimpse of where they're going to be at in the playoff picture. There you go. And and at that point, you would uh you would think would be some, you know, maybe a healthier team that's the out on the ice, a lot of uh, injuries right now. We'd love to update you on all the injuries. Your guess is as good as ours at this point. We're they're, all day to day. It's everyone's day to day. Even Eric Howla is I guess he's more week to week. They said he's month to month. Month to month. We got month to month. They said he's month to month, but then, you know, they refuse to say he's out for the year. So that that's what like that's where we're at right now. Of, well, is he going to come back? And there's no answer, or definitive, you know, statement on when it is. Other than it's a very unusual injury that people can't really figure out. That's troubling. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't like it if my doctor told me that. No, but I don't know if his doctor told him that or if that's just the way the team is putting. Who knows? Exactly what's going on there. Uh, but as we said, you know, Riley Smith, Will Carrier, these guys are fighting, working their way back. They're day-to-day. So could they play tonight? Sure. I, I don't know. Who knows what's going on? Uh, but we would love to inform you guys of what's going on in the injury report. Everyone's day-to-day. And that's where we're going to have to, I guess, stick it at. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much where we're at. And that's, I think, where we're going to be at for the foreseeable yes. future. Yes. And there's, a, I think, a debate to be had about how much you as fans – want to know about those things and really, really care about those things. As a fan, when I was just a fan of a team and just like looking for information, I would want to know the second somebody was going to be able to be back at practice. And I'd be, you know, constantly looking for, for information. But I've heard from other fans that say they don't care. So, you know, we're going to continue trying to find out that information. I know, uh, you know, Ed Graney wrote a pretty good column the other day. All of his columns are good, but uh, pretty interesting and entertaining and informative column about why the information matters and, you know, why the Golden Knights' refusal to share some information is a thing. Uh, check that out. I, I I know it's up for debate. He even said in there, like, I know there's fans that don't care. And I, I hear it from you guys. Some of you really, really care. Some of you are like, what does it matter? When he plays, he plays. And, and we get that, but we'll keep trying to find out the information that we can. 
bringing you guys the most up-to-date information possible on this team and everything going on around the Golden Knights. We appreciate it, you guys listening. And as we said, subscribe, comment, all those things. And keep uh, giving us feedback as well on Twitter. Ben S. Goats, Adam Hill, LVRJ. Hit us up with questions as well. Absolutely. You can watch us on the uh, on the mailbag, and we'll try to answer your questions there and in the paper and the review journal all over the place with videos, podcasts, stories, everything that you need about the Golden Knights at ReviewJournal.com. Thanks for listening to the Golden Edge podcast. For Ben, I'm Adam. Also follow along with Dave Shane at David Shane LVRJ. David Shane LVRJ. And uh, thanks to Larry Miara, esteemed producer as well. From the luxurious podcasting studios of the Review Journal, it's the Golden Edge Podcast. Adam Hill and Ben Goats. We'll talk to you again soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.